Hello, welcome back to 303 Radio. Jamie, how are you, sir? Very well. Good. Um, how's your week been? It's been good. The rain has come. We've no, had quite an come. eventful um, Friday morning. Everyone had to derobe upon arrival to the office because everyone was you, so You sodden. came in and you literally looked like a drowned rat. I was as wet as had I jumped into a swimming pool. Yeah. It was a joke. Well, you're here now. Yeah, now I'm dry, but I'm very casually dressed. Good. How has your uh, week been? Good. Yeah. That's, you just asked that. No, your week. Oh, the week. Yeah. Uh, as a whole. Mm, as a whole. Um, I'm looking for some, really good. some conversation on this podcast. Do you, <laughs> mind? Do you mind? Just directly answering your questions. Yeah. yeah no, it's been fine. Um, it's been good. We had a very busy day of workshopping yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of new client pitches at the moment. Yeah. Very busy. Some very exciting stuff, which we can hopefully talk about soon. Um, yeah. This week, obviously, was the kind of edit week from last week, which was very hectic from a shooting perspective. So predominantly our team have been spent, the, well, the creative team has spent most of the time putting everything together, which has been really good to see. And there are some sick assets coming out of that team. So very excited to see those. And of course, we'll be sharing them as and when. But some exciting news is the 303 London website is now officially live. Are you having And the good thing is I've not even had to like vicariously live through the pain of website building exactly um but yeah the 303 website is live so do go take a look at it um there's a lot of information a bit more about what we do as an agency um over at 303.london not .co.uk not .com 303.london thank you ollie's Um, done ollie's done a good job on it everyone we should give him some uh plaudits that's cute um we like that um, but yeah, busy week in terms of the edits, which has been very good. A lot of ideation sessions going on as well, which is planning for some campaigns and launches we've got coming up soon. Mm. But overall, just a very standard day in the 303 office. Just another day. Another day. Another week even. Yeah, the edit week's been... Uh, the boys have put in some quite big shifts this week. Mm. Um, but it's been some very... Well, FFF have had some very cool assets, haven't they? They have. We can't talk about any of them, by the way. No. But they are very Why cool. can't we talk about them? They're under embargo. Will they not be live by the time this goes live? No. I don't know how like vlogception works. Vlog, yeah, because there's vlogging. Right? No, we're podcast. Pod, podception. Podin. Pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, this week I thought we would talk about something we haven't really spoken about before in some capacity, and it's generally around the world of influencing. Mm. Yeah. Now, with that in mind, there's two big things that have happened during the week this week. One being related to the ASA, which is the Advertising Standard Agency, and one relating to football, which I know that's about. Footer. Because obviously the Euros are currently on. So to kick things off, we want to talk about what the ASA have just launched, or I think are due to launch more officially, but is very much underway. Um, is a dedicated page that they're launching to expose influencers who don't correctly portray that the content they put out is sometimes related to ads. Some of the big names in there are Lucy Meckenborough, Jodie Marsh, Chloe Ferry, Chloe Kahn. Um, they have been the first to be named and shamed. Um, before we go into our opinions about it, do you want to just explain to the lovely listeners um, the context around where the ASA comes into social platforms and also how influencers nowadays need to, to act and what uh, kind of rules and boxes they yeah. need to tick in order to influence their lives away? Yeah. Well, it was... I think it all stems from the fact that social media became a bit of a wild west of advertising in its early inception, like Facebook advertising, Google advertising in its early days, and then influencer was all pretty unregulated. So there was nowhere near as many sort of guidelines, laws, rules, etc. around it. Um, And specifically with influencers, 
it's basically like running an advert. You're just doing it through someone else's channels mm. with them sort of starring as it. So it's probably, was it two years ago that like Adgate basically happened? Where <clears throat> I was going to say, yeah, I think it was end of 2018, beginning of 2019 was the biggest, the I think big that swing. winter was the big, especially the UK. Because mm. from our perspective, we obviously do work with influencers in various ways, but predominantly for our retainer clients. But around that time, the, the biggest issue that people found and influencers were kind of reporting back to the clients they were working for, or the brands they were working with, is that it was a lot more effective to run an ad that didn't look like an ad, that was a soft sell, that your audience wouldn't think of an ad, they're more likely to buy into it. That's just sort of the human nature. Whereas yeah. if they know they're being sold, in, if anyone knows they're being sold to, they're not receptive enough. So as soon as they had hashtag ad, hashtag partnership, hashtag whatever it was. Spawn. Spawn. Which is, to be honest, I think it shouldn't be spawn. We'll come into that. Because um, spawn, like, what does that mean? Well, sponsored isn't really a thing, is yeah. it? Yeah. Anyway, there was a lot of controversy originally because influencers and brands were basically saying this effectiveness of that collaboration or that ad was being removed by being super transparent um, with the audience, which, you know, there's different ways to look at it. From our side of things, yes, it was, but also we think the audience should, should be a lot more um, in the know about what they're being sold to. Um, you know, mm. when you watch TV and it's time for the adverts, you know it's an advert. But then again, in the same way of TV, there are a lot of times there's advertising happening you don't even know about it, especially in the early days, in the 60s and 70s. There'll be random, like, baking soda ads and, and washing machine ads that you wouldn't always see. So, like, it's kind of come from that world. But I suppose our thoughts... Well, not our thoughts. What are your thoughts on that in terms of naming and shaming those influencers who are crossing the line in the ASA's mind? Well, I think if there's like if there's a guideline that is so obviously sort of put out, and then you still don't do it, you're done. Like it, you're it's done. Gonna, it's going to come back to bite you, isn't it? Yeah. So I think like, I mean, the there's a good quote that Sam's usefully actually written down around like. Well, the, the chief executive of the ASA has basically said it's not it's not difficult, is it? It's very clear what the rules are. So if you don't do anything about the rules, mm. you will just there will be sanctions. So my view is the the rules now are very obviously tight, and like everyone's aware of them. Mm. And if you're still sort of risking it, because there's a lot of declared income, like influencer deals can be tens, hundreds of thousands of pounds. Well, I mean, like, who is it? I can't remember one of the girls from Love Island. Uh, I think she's like the surfer, possibly, want to say. Anyway, Lucy. Is I that haven't watched that show, but anyway, she's 65k a post. So there is a lot of money to play with um, in that in that scope. I think she's the highest earner now from Art Love Island. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of money. I think the naming and shaming thing I get, all I would question is the legitimacy of naming and shaming. Like what I know the ASA is obviously a, a body, but... They have a lot of control and say, and they can they can take this pretty seriously if they want to. Um, banning content. They're going to be fining people. Fining people. Yeah. Damaging brands, whatever it might be. Um, but also, you know, things like Lucy McInbrough, who was from Towie back in the day. I know she's got her own businesses. Is she being penalised for, like, pushing yeah, her was, own business? she was promoting her own businesses without saying hashtag ad. Which is where the lines get very blurred. Like, for me... And I do agree with what Guy Parker, who's the chief exec of the ASA, says. But I still think that plat the platform and influencer marketing is still evol evolving so much, which means that there's always going to be different scenarios. Mm. Like, for example, 
and here's a th- here's a curveball. I post about three or three on my Instagram page a lot. Technically, it's an ad. This is the point at which we give Ollie shit for being an influencer. <laughs> no. no, but like technically, yeah. like the three or three London showreel. Yeah. In theory, I benefited off putting that on Instagram because one, we got some leads off it, and we got some inquiries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So technically, I was advertising to my audience. Not Guy Parker's going to bloody be knocking on your door later. But this is the this thing, right? Because, like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate. But where, where does it start? Where does it stop? Especially with a lot of influencers now own their own business, businesses. Yeah. Conor McGregor, his his whiskey company is now a billion pound company, right? Mm. Or close to around that figure. So, like, there's a lot to play with here, especially in the UK, and the naming and shaming stuff. I just wonder how much the ASA are actually going right. This is something we, we're either going to set an example with these people or we're going to just continuously do this because for me now they can never not do that they always have to do that to people yeah well I think that's and is it at a stage where they've approached them and said look can you please make sure it's clear this is an ad or they just straight away bang them up because it I think I think it will be that these are repeat offenders yeah like I think well like let's just take the first scenario of like the most standard one which is a brand paying an influencer for a post Mm. if you're directly just getting cash as income in exchange for you like advertising on your Instagram account or your YouTube mm. channel or whatever it is and you don't declare it, I think they should be named and shamed. I agree the Lucy uh, Mecklenburg situation is a bit more like nuanced, but I think you've just got to take that for, for, for what it is. She's probably, what, she's presumably over a million followers. Like, yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. That's an extreme example, I would say, of a, like she probably spends no money on paid media, for instance. She's probably just doing it on her own. What for her Channels. business? Yeah. See, the thing is, she does because I've seen. I think it's results with Lucy. I want to say. So she like. I don't. I don't know her situation, but I do know that she's obviously got businesses. Because mm. I also think a lot of them do. Mm. So that's kind of where. Yeah, you know, no, and I know there's an been one. there's been some buy-ins recently, especially with collaborations and brands where mm. influencers have been offered equity. There was that big thing with um, the fuck is it called Lannister? Lannister. Lannister. Yeah, yes. like back in the day, like that was a big thing. In theory, they didn't have to say ad, and that was the loophole a lot of that when that was originally going out a lot of the guys that were posting about it didn't put ad because they were technically they owned a part of the bank which mm. obviously there was controversy around that so it is super interesting from what we can tell and what they've said each influence will be on the web page for three months and be subject to a period of enhanced monitoring spot checks if rule breaks breaking continues further sanctions from the asa will include taking out ads against the culprits um and working with social media, like social media platforms to have their content removed or referring them to sanctuary bodies for possible fines. I think the thing so is, they're, I think they're the not thing fucking about. The thing that's interesting for me is how the platforms come into it. Because mm. Facebook and Instagram, especially as two platforms, it used to be very hard to tell what was a paid post or an organic post. Until the tagging feature Until came tagging in. came in. Brand now, content. Now... Well, yeah, now, like, what should happen is that, like, if Lucy Mac posts, it should say, in pay partnership with yeah. Get Results with Lucy. It's all fairly easily done. Mm. It's just um, that hasn't always been clear on the platform. So it's quite interesting they're saying that the ASA will utilise the platforms to, yeah. to do that because, obviously, it's entirely in the platform's interest to get mm. these people posting the ads as well. The interesting thing that I think will be kind of key to see play out is who they actually pick up on. Um, and what following size because I think it will obviously start with the bigger followers for the bigger accounts that have got bigger following sorry but you know I like when they get to the nano influencers like me (laughs) 
But there is there is a big argument there because it has to be a blanket approach for all this stuff. Mm. And I think that's going to really dictate the space, especially in the UK. Obviously, the ASA is just UK-based. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you've got other governing bodies for different um, different countries. But let's see. I suppose my question to you on this really is, do you think this is too harsh on the influencers? I don't think it is, no. I think it's, it's play the game. Um, I think, as I said at the start, like adv- any advertising scenario that was a bit Wild Westy does eventually either get shut down or re- sort of become more regulated. Mm. Um, I mean, there's so many different instances, but like the fact you can't even... Like all of the F1 teams being sponsored by like Australia, Cero or yeah. Sin or whatever it is, like all the alcohol-free versions, like mm. not allowing tobacco advertising. Like there's a million and one examples of like marketing and advertising generally having to go through these these sorts of phases. So I think it's a logical thing to happen. Is it too harsh? Like if the guidelines are really like obvious, strict, and published everywhere, you're you are just stupid for not See, following. Them. Yeah, I mean that's my thing. I, I would say that. It is clear, but it also isn't clear. There's new influencers coming into the space every day. Every time, like, I think Love Island's back this month, which means in two months' time, there'll be a fresh batch of UK influencers who've got massive followings who don't know how the fuck it works. They didn't get big followings last year, did they? I don't think an interesting article. Yeah, I don't think they did. I think, like... That was because of COVID. Was that COVID? I think it was the one where they went to South Africa. They all left with, like, tens of thousands as opposed to millions. Yeah. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I personally think that... The ASA needs to be super clear. I also think if they're working with the platforms, they should, the platforms should be doing more to be clear on it. But I also do think writing hashtag ad, if you're being paid, just do that and you're probably going to be fine. Um, YouTube as well is obviously interesting. And we've just been kind of speaking about Instagram, but YouTube mm. obviously got the paid promotion side of things. Um, mm. well, that's, you- been, that's also been linked to the algorithm though. So there is, influencers would argue that putting in including paid pro, um, partnership actually reduces the chance of that video being pushed on youtube yeah. because it's not youtube ads it's <coughs> a different deal so youtube isn't making any necessarily any cash from that um so they don't push it as much so the platforms i think especially in the uk need to get super aligned with the asa like and i think that will come over time but you've got to remember as well there's a whole new issue every time there's a new platform which is pretty regular like tiktok i'm sure is far less yeah. formalized in terms of like regulation, not least because of where it's owned. Mm. Um, and then they'll have to become territory specific and whatever. But like TikTok influencers, that is a completely different batch of people. Yeah. Like it's young, very high followed. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Whatever. What I always find interesting is podcast advertising, which has definitely been prominent. In, yeah, prominent, especially over the last like, 12 months. Because if you listen to any podcast ad, they always mention it's been sponsored in the audio if we were going to do an ad now for example it'd be very clear that it's being sponsored for whatever reason (laughs) um and that's never really had a problem because it's in the audio Mm. so you but you could argue if you miss that one sentence or you miss that one line it's easy to miss and easy not to see so it'll be interesting to see um but yeah definitely something that especially in the uk needs to be looked into um right for this next next half we're going to move into into football which i know absolutely nothing about so I think you should take Mr. Ronaldo's um, approach to yeah. not well, liking Coca-Cola. Well, we get we do get asked how effective are influencers or like how much do influencers actually influence? If this is not the ultimate case study for how much they can influence, I do not know what is. But yeah. for those that didn't see it... Before we get into this, rock, by the way, what? did you see last night the parachute thing that fell into the stadium at the Euros? That wasn't last night. When was that? Four days ago. Five what happened? Ago? 
it was a Greenpeace protester, I think he was. He literally parachuted into the French stadium. On like France a... France playing Germany on Monday. He was what? Well, France playing Germany? Yeah, during the game. But he like, was on like one of the propeller ones. He wasn't just gliding. No, no, he was on he like was a, on a unpowered yeah, one. Propelled thing, and he landed really hard. He injured himself. But was there an ad on the top of the parachute? Or I think was that it was the bit, no, I think it was like... Uh, Political yeah, statement. I can't remember whatever group it was. I, when I, I saw like a thumbnail... Someone having an incident in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an eventful trip, that does. Um, I saw a thumbnail where it's like a yellow parachute, right? I thought it was like a um, kind of guerrilla active ad, which I thought would be brilliant. But Everyone's probably expecting it to say 303 on it. Imagine. But not that imagine. That. Anyway, back to the point in hand. Um, for those that didn't see or have been living under a rock um, with the Euros in the post-match conference, um, Cristiano Ronaldo after having scored two unbelievable goals. He's 36 now, maybe 35, and he's still fitter and stronger and better than just everyone else. Because he treats the body like a temple, right? Like, just obscenely obsessive around physical health. Mm. Um, but yeah, he sat down um, at the table for the presser and had two bottles of Coke, Coke Zero and regular Coke, mm. on the on the table. Because Coke are an official sponsor yeah. of the Euros, not a team, just the Euros. No, the Euros and as a Heineken and various others. Mm. And he basically just like removed the coat bottles to the side and screamed agua. Um, with but the agua was, it was unbranded, wasn't it? Yeah, just it was no one, thing. Yeah, yeah, it was but just like. It was basically a massive thing of. Because football's long since had it. Like, as in, like, Leicester City Stadium used to be called the Walkers Stadium. Like, yeah. for crisps. Like, all sorts of different um, examples of really sort of unhealthy products, industries, whatever, mm. sponsoring what is otherwise obviously a very healthy. Um, sort of performance-led sport. So because Walkers was, is predominantly for the pub. Yeah, it's thing. like the pub football watcher yeah, yeah, yeah. vibe. Like Gary Lineker is their main ambassador. Yeah, who's obviously a very good footballer in the day. But the the long and short of it was that Ronaldo did make this sort of statement. It stirred up a load of conversation around, like, I suppose it's the the sort of coherency of sponsorship. Like, it makes really good sense sometimes when you see someone sponsoring something. Mm. Um, whatever it might be like I don't know Land Rover and England rugby always seemed like a really cool yeah. thing it was all about like rugged and active life and yeah, whatever yeah. like all seemed really like logically put together at the moment that just feels very detached and Ronaldo's statement wiped four billion dollars off the um, Coca-Cola share price which mm, 24 hours literally almost instantaneously um, it just happened so like yeah the market the market of you know, investors also sort of were influenced by someone like Ronaldo, which yeah. is a really unreal example of like how how wide the sort of influencing scope can be mm. um, these days. So it was really really interesting to see that Paul Pogba then did a really similar thing um, with That's Heineken, a French player, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the French Man United player, um, who I think is about to be on thirty million pounds a year. Um, for his new contract which is quite a lot of money but um, but yeah Pog removed the Heineken like bit of a follow up to Ronaldo um, and it all just yeah also a lot of, like um, Pogba's um, Muslim and obviously there's a lot of Islamic players that play yeah. especially like in the French team there's quite a few and more generally and they obviously don't drink um, in Islamic culture so like having Heineken plonked on the tables in pretty poor taste for them mm. um, so yeah it was it was really really interesting to see a very sort of macro example of influencing. Yeah, um, and I imagine a lot of people are going four billion quid is a lot. 
well dollars is a lot but actually yeah i mean the wind blows and they lose four billion dollars but yeah yeah it was it was obviously directly attributed which is what's really interesting i think people like yeah there's probably some misinformation or misunderstanding by the wider public around i mean it's such a minute thing the company's worth 240 billion dollars so yeah a four billion scratch is not a, lot. a percent or so um so it's it's a lot but it's not like the yeah the market is influenced by a huge amount of different things it's just quite interesting that a footballer was the thing that pushed this one um coke or pepsi what for me yeah honestly coke every time yeah i just don't get pepsi i don't know quite a lot of people try and give me pepsi max chat and i'm just Getting don't a, get it. Get in the yeah, absolutely don't it's get crap. it. Karma uh, Cola. Mm. We like Karma Cola around do. here. Um, I think it's interesting what you were saying about uh, like actual good brand placement. Mm. So I think like it's kind of sparks in my head about the Walkers thing. Obviously that's gone now, but like still Walkers have got that attachment with it. It's a bit like in a way Red Bull. Like they're going a whole F1 team based around performance. Sure, football team as well. Yeah, and a football team, yeah. But the, what I'm, I suppose what I'm getting at is like the health aspect of some of these things. Like, you know, I know Vipe um, now sponsor, a one of the sponsors with McLaren. Coca-Cola obviously with McLaren F1 team, mm-hmm. like we talk about motorsport. But like, it is quite interesting some of the some of the connections, like and how brands go, yeah, that's the right move for us. Because, you know, I think Heineken is probably one of the best F1 mm-hmm. sponsors I've seen. Well, yeah, he- Heineken generally, I think they're one of the biggest sponsors in the yeah. world, aren't they? But it's quite interesting, especially with football and sport in that way, how it really connects with, like, if, it, if it's actually a good match. Because it is kind of like Coca-Cola, is that, is that the best match for the Euros? Like, I know they've obviously got the cash to do it, for sure. And mm. people are going to drink it in the pubs, whatever it might be. Yeah, well, we've been, we've been talking, um, well, weirdly, I've actually had so many different conversations about it, all with different people this week, which shows you it's bloody working. Mm. But cinch. As in the they're like a bit like um, kazoo, yeah, like used car sales thing. They are everywhere. Like they are sponsoring Queens, so on my road, the whole road is basically plastered in um, Cinch branding. I'm only living yep. there for another month, which I can tell you, I <laughs> Um But yeah, Cinch is all over that, all over England cricket. They're sponsoring all the music festivals this summer, and none of them, like none of the sponsorships, or the like, to me anyway seem that logical yeah. like cinch is in no way premium queens is what like incredibly premium it used to be yeah. fever tree championships that felt really nicely matched mm. and now cinch is just getting everywhere but for them they've had a huge cash injection and then it's just a situation of eyeballs because most people own a car in the uk yeah and if you're going to sell it or look to buy a used car you then just like their strategy is spray it everywhere because kazoo was everywhere for quite a while wasn't it yeah um and now it seems like they've taken it back but I think there's a lot of good ones like Rolex sponsoring F1 is one that I always love because it's just so inherently like time mm. related. As well. Yeah, like but in then tennis, it... there's a few really, really nice ones. Like mm. I think golf is a really hilarious one. Like golf sponsorship is absurd how much money they make um, yeah. on sponsorships. Um, but you know whether it's with like private jet companies that they fly around. Mm. on in the US and whatever. Like I wonder, and I don't know. We don't obviously you don't work in that sponsorship world, but. Coming back to influencers for a second. Yeah. I wonder how effective some of those things are. Like, you know, let's say you're going to be, well, let's take like the Coca-Cola thing with the, with the football for a second. Like without the players being involved, like Ronaldo is not sponsored by Coca-Cola as far as I understand it. Right. No. 
the the game is so it's not at all within his interest to interact with that or it doesn't have nothing to do with him but it's just that's i think that example and the the pogba example even more so was a really good example of a massive f up in terms of like an opportunistic product placement for some like associative reasons like if you see something next to ronaldo people are influenced by it well in all of that he's he's ronaldo is now with um the railgun have you seen the ad you know the thing you put in your, like your back and stuff. Oh yeah, like Theragun. Yeah, Theragun. Sorry, Theragun. He's now the sponsor for Theragun. He's running. It, there's an ad running for it, mm. which for me, like, makes really sense. good influence. Like, it works. Makes loads of sense. That as a social ad will work. Makes loads of sense. But like, there are cases of sponsorship. Like, when there's a sponsor for a team, whether it be an F1 team, a football team, or a, you know, a group, whatever it might be, that sometimes I'm just like, that doesn't even mm. make sense. I've. Well, I feel like people want to know the numbers around these sorts of things. Yeah. So I've got, I'll have to mince around the specifics of it. Mm. But in a previous life at another company, we were approached to sponsor a podcast mm. um, for a whole series, but it was just one series, I think eight episodes in a series, mm. um, to be their like headline sponsor. So it would be like, hey, welcome back to the podcast. It's brought to you by Blur, yeah. whoever the company was. And for for reference, it was it was an ex- reality tv stars podcast mm. that they've got 250,000 followers or something on instagram yeah and for an eight episode series they were asking for 25 grand mm. for a podcast sponsorship mm. which get to give some reference around like what the sort of numbers that people are talking about here yeah it's it's fuck you money it's yeah. huge cash yeah um and i would also argue that you know everything that we do as an agency is so performance driven and data-led even our influencer work, yeah. um, you know, everything's tracked. It's a return on investment proposition as opposed to we'll get you in front of X eyeballs. Mm. The results were just no way near close to being measurable. Mm. It was literally just like if you had the cash lying around. Because there's a lot to be said about just, where you spend the money, right? And that's something we always take massive account for with clients or people that come to us is like if you've got £10,000 budget, if you've got a £100,000 budget, and you want to spend it in digital, we always go, right, this is, you know, we ask that question a lot. Mm. We, we can break it down very easily. There's always a place for influencer, but there's sometimes more a place of the paid side of things. And, yeah. and that way, it just depends on what's happening. But one thing I suppose the question for you is like, influencer work versus paid media. Yeah. Where would you put your money? Definitely depends on the business. There's like, there's hundreds of examples of incredible growth on both fields. They also work really well together now. Yeah, which is something that we we're starting to do quite a lot of, especially um, the white labeling stuff. Uh, sorry, yeah, the white listing where you stuff. can basically run as as a business. Say you're McDonald's, you could run ads through Ollie's Instagram, so that it looks like Ollie's just basically doing a more heartfelt like legit McDonald's. Holler your boy. Yeah, McDonald's get in touch. Yeah. Um, bring bring some selects. Um, selects are cash. Yeah, they're, they're so delicious. That BBQ um, sauce is made of crack. But yeah, the the yeah. But the, the white labeling thing's huge and, and there's loads of different bits with it. I think for me, the answer would initially be paid media for mm. most businesses. Mm. Um, I think influencer is something that inevitably will come as well yeah. um, at the point of scale, but there's opportunity cost with all this sort of stuff. The other example, which was one kind of in our sphere um, of kind of automotive was the um, example of an automotive influencer with um, a suspension kit, a suspension kit at oh, Litchfield. Um, which uh, actually came up on our client collecting cars' podcast. Mm. Um, they 
they had a sit down with the owner of Litchfield mm. um, who seemed like a very nice chap and felt he felt clearly very hard done by but for for the context on that they a big automotive influencer with well he's probably a million followers combined across all the channels yeah probably um but he got bought this new toyota yaris gr very cool car it was very sort of hyped up um and basically says litchfield yeah you can give me a free suspension kit and 25 grand and i'll promote i'll do a video um really which again is like just an absolutely filthy amount of money Mm. for something that again is literally immeasurable um like how a literal like Litchfield, you know, they would have had to have sold. I think it was something like they would have had to have sold seven kits, yeah, like suspension kits, to make it back. Like in terms of GR Yaris's, there were hardly any of them even coming to the. Like I say, yeah, hardly any. Crazy. There were some, but there weren't that many of them in the UK anyway. So, and of what percentage of that are then going to go and have an already really sporting car have an even sportier suspension setup for mm. for big bucks? So it's a small niche. Yeah, pricing is really interesting with influencers. It's something we consult with a lot. Um, we work out for a lot of our clients as well. There is no set pricing. There's no regulator on pricing. It's done through agencies, done through management, people that don't understand how brand works. I, we all personally believe that digital strategists and agencies like us should be involved in those conversations. Um, brands to agency is always difficult. So um, yeah, if anyone has any questions, please do feel free, feel free to shout us to our, out us to whoa i did not make any sense there ollie's had a red bull an espresso and is drinking pre-workout yeah ahead of not working out probably ahead of a very good call i've got in a few moments oh. which is a good time but yeah if anyone does any have any questions do reach out we'll be more than happy to answer them we need some more quick fire faqs you always like to skip over these oh yeah sorry them. yeah yeah go go if the users are giving us the users the listeners are uh, sending their questions in the no, least no. we could do is answer them i do apologize okay um first one's a good one how does the growth of 303 correlate with the caliber of clients is what's been put here, but I suppose it's more just a question on size of brand, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, we work with a range of clients from um, in the SME space, I would say. Um, we do still work with some startups, but we also work with some big, big businesses as well. Um, Growing 303 is going to be extremely interesting over the next year. Um, we've got some opportunities with some very big businesses, but we've also got some amazing opportunities with some slightly smaller ones. So mm. very much depends. Obviously, we're dedicated to the premium D2C market um, and also luxury as well. So yeah, I don't think it's necessarily about the the size of the client necessarily. It just needs to be about the client being right for us in a way. 100%. Yeah. We like a... We, I think the thing that we all, as a business, love or the team love is some someone that has a really different approach to some, like an existing market. Mm. All of our clients come with something that's different and be- in their view better yeah. than what's already there, which is what we like. Um, the actual size of the brand name is not necessarily as relevant as people probably assume. Um, the next question is, where does 303 get most of its new clients from? Where do we? It is a combination of two things, really. One is referral. Um, so most of our stuff comes through doing good work for existing clients mm-hmm. and then being referred as a result, yeah. um, which is obviously a very joyous thing for everyone involved because it shows that good jo- good work's being done and that clients are happy enough to recommend them to their mates. So that's always a very nice one. And then the other is kind of more your bag of the 303 marketing side of things with yeah. people just getting in touch getting in touch us. having an open conversation figuring out where we can help and taking it from there really 
Hey guys, I love your podcast. Can we can you there you go. do some, uh, you go some content for us? Yeah? Right, we're going to have to wrap up there because I need to shoot off. So, uh, Jamie, thank you as always for joining me on this lovely afternoon we spent together. Mm-hmm. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, please do don't forget to give it a rating and a comment down below. And as always, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Send them some questions. And send them some questions. questions. And we'll see you again very, very soon. Ciao.